if you'll please take your Bibles and turn with me at this time to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. Uh, we're starting a brand new message series this morning, uh, working our way through the book of Acts. Now, Acts is a long book, okay? 28 chapters. We're not going to try to do all 28 chapters uh, at one time. Uh, we'll break it up into sections, sort of like we did with the Gospel of Matthew, where we did a section of Matthew, and then we took a break and studied some other things. Then we kept on coming back until uh, we got through the book, and we want to do the same thing with the book of Acts. Our series is called Church on the Move, because that's what Acts is all about, and that's really what every church should be about. We should always be on the move for the Lord, never growing stagnant or stale. And uh, first off, let me just share with you some facts about the book of Acts, facts about Acts, things that you need to know. Uh, Acts was written by Luke. Yeah, same Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke. Luke wrote two books in the Bible. Uh, Luke was a doctor. He was a historian. And uh, his two books, Luke and Acts, uh, together they make up more than one quarter of the New Testament. That's right. Luke wrote over one-fourth of our New Testament. That's amazing. Uh, the book of Acts tells the story of the early church and how it grew. There's an emphasis throughout on the Holy Spirit. There are signs and wonders and various miracles. There are accounts of persecution and opposition. And there's also a whole lot of speeches, okay, both by believers and unbelievers. 24 speeches in all out of 28 chapters. Eight by Peter, nine by Paul, seven by others. Uh, but each of the speeches is fascinating in its own way. And uh, the speeches together cover about one-third of the book of Acts. Uh, so those are some of the facts. What are some reasons? What are some reasons uh, why we want to be reading and studying the book of Acts? Well, first of all, uh, most obvious, it's, it's the Bible. It's God's Word, right? And it's always uh, profitable and vital uh, to read God's Word in our lives. Secondly, it's where we learn about the early church, right? You've got four Gospels. You've got lots of places you can learn about Jesus. Only one book of Acts. Only one place you can go to learn about the early church. Another reason to read Acts is for encouragement and inspiration. It's named Acts for a reason. It is full of action. And if you need a push, okay, this book is going to get you going as well. And then finally, it's a great reminder to us of the importance of evangelism and missions. When you read Acts, you see the Great Commission playing itself out right before your eyes. Now, there are also some cautions we should apply when reading the book of Acts. Uh, we should be careful to understand its unique time and place in God's history. It has a unique time and place, and so God was doing some unique things at that time in history. And we need to be careful that we do not build doctrines out of unique one-time events. A principle we should always remember is we interpret the narrative sections of Scripture using the didactic or teaching sections of Scripture as our guide. And so we'll apply that principle as we work our way through Acts together. Finally, before we get started in our chapter, just a quick look at the theme and outline of the book of Acts. You already know our theme. It's the title of our series, Church on the Move. That's our theme. Our theme verse is Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which speaks of the church starting in Jerusalem and then making its way out to the ends of the earth. And there are really four main movements in the book of Acts, 
four main movements, and these make up the four parts of our outline for this series. And so the first section we're going to be tackling is chapters 1 through 8. Chapters 1 through 8 track the movement of the church, church on the move, movement of the church from Jerusalem to Samaria. Chapters 9 through 15 track the movement of the church now from the Jews to the Gentiles. Chapters 16 through 20 track the movement of the church from Asia to Europe, okay, breaking new bounds, you know, swapping continents. And now chapters 21 through 28 track the movement of the church as it makes its way to the ends of the earth. So we have an amazing uh, time in God's word ahead of us uh, as we go through the book of Acts together. As we get started, I just want to read our theme verse, just one verse, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But will you stand with me for the reading of this very important verse of Scripture. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, these are the words of Jesus. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Well, dear Lord, as we begin our journey through the book of Acts, Lord, I I, I know and believe that you have great things for us. Lord, there are things you want to teach us. There are things, uh, areas where we need to be challenged. And so, Lord, as we uh, begin this journey today, we just want to commit ourselves to you and to your word. We open our hearts. Lord, change our lives personally. Change us as a church. Help us to grow and to embrace the mission that you have for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. So as we get started, let me just ask you, how, how are you doing as a Christian? How are you doing? Are you growing in your faith? Are you active? Are you actively helping other people, actively blessing other people? Are you actively sharing your faith? Or have you grown somewhat lazy or or stagnant in your faith. Remember what we just said, the book of Acts is all about action. And so if you found yourself slowing down in your Christian walk, this book is going to give you that much-needed boost. Don't just stand there. We've got a job to do. It is the most important job in the whole world. It's one of the reasons you're still here on earth, okay? There's a reason God didn't take you to heaven right after you believed in Christ, is you've got a job to do. And as a church, we are not to be stagnant. We are called to be a church on the move with the gospel. So you ready? Let's jump in. We're going to begin with the book of Acts now. Uh, There's an outline in your uh, worship guide. I encourage you to take that out. It will help you to follow along with the message. Luke begins the whole book by introducing two historical turning points, so important, two historical turning points that are going to launch the church into its mission. Going to launch the church and its mission. These two turning points are Jesus' ascension to heaven and then the giving of the Holy Spirit. We usually just call this the ascension and Pentecost. Let's look at the the first one, Jesus' ascension to heaven. Look at verses 1 through 3. Luke writes, in my former book, we'll come back to that, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men 
and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. whole lot just in these opening verses. The former book that he mentions there, that's the Gospel of Luke, right? We just learned that. Luke wrote both books. Both of the books go together. The gospel, the story of the gospel is incomplete without the story of the church. They go together. You notice Luke addresses uh, his book here, actually both books, Luke and Acts, to this man named Theophilus. And the name Theophilus means one who loves God. In Luke's gospel, Luke addresses him as most excellent Theophilus. That's usually a term of respect for an official. And so uh, we uh, expect, we guess, we don't really know, but he was most likely a Roman official of high standing who had come to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Notice Luke says that, he says, hey, in my former book, he gives us a summary of the gospel of Luke. He says, my former book, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. All that he began to do and teach. And that word began, it's important. It's emphasized here in the original language. What's he saying? The gospel of Luke focuses on what Jesus began to do and teach before the ascension. The book of Acts focuses on what Jesus continued to do and teach after the ascension. Now, a lot of times the book of Acts is called the Acts of the Apostles. You've probably heard that, right? The Acts of the Apostles. Why? Well, because the apostles play a big part in these early days of the church. But other people say, no, no, no. We shouldn't call it the Acts of the Apostles. We should call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit because it's really a record of the Holy Spirit working in and through the apostles. I like that. Okay, let's forget Acts of the Apostles, Acts of the Holy Spirit. But Luke would say, "Uh, uh, uh, no, no, we can improve on that. We can do one better than that. Luke would say, let's call it this. The Acts of, not the Apostles, the Acts of, not the Holy Spirit, the Acts of Jesus. The Acts of Jesus through the Holy Spirit working in the Apostles. That's a really long title. We're just going to call it Acts, okay? But that's what it really is. It's the Acts of Jesus through the Holy Spirit working in the Apostles. It is a record of what Jesus right now is continuing to do through the church as empowered by the Holy Spirit. What is the turning point between the gospel and Acts? Luke says the day that Jesus was taken up. That's our first turning point, the ascension. The ascension acts as the hinge between these two successive stages of Jesus' ministry. He had his earthly ministry and then his, his heavenly ministry. Luke says Jesus ascended after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. And so Jesus had some things uh, to tell his disciples before he went back to heaven. That's why he didn't just resurrect and said, hi, see you, and take off and ascend right away. And, you know, and we're going to learn the most important instruction in just a moment. You know, but Luke tells us that Jesus did all of this through the Holy Spirit. Once again, huge theme for Luke, the Holy Spirit. Luke mentions the Holy Spirit 57 times just in this book. Mentions it a whole lot in the, the Gospel of Luke as well, but just in the book of Acts. He speaks about the apostles here. The word apostle, it's sometimes applied to other believers. Sometimes other people are called apostles, but here it refers to the 12. Here it refers to the 12 original apostles Jesus chose during his earthly ministry. Judas, of course, is gone now. We're down to 11. Next week, we learn how they deal with that and his replacement. After his suffering, after Jesus died on the cross, after Jesus rose again, Jesus showed himself specifically to these men to his apostles. Other people saw him as well, right? The women at the tomb. At one point, over 500 people saw him at the same time. But he mostly showed himself to 
the apostles. He gave them many convincing proofs. He walked with them. He talked with them. He ate food. He ate with them. He showed Thomas the nail prints in his hands. And Jesus did this for 40 days. He didn't just appear to them at Easter weekend. This was an extended time of teaching and fellowship. And notice that Luke says these 40 days, this is still part of Jesus' earthly ministry. We sometimes think that once Jesus rose from the dead, his earthly ministry is over. No, he had another 40 days to go. This is part of his earthly ministry before the ascension. And what did Jesus do during this time? He spoke about the kingdom of God. This is what he wanted to teach the disciples. Remember, at the beginning of the Gospels, what does Jesus do? He comes preaching the kingdom of God. It was the first thing he preached, and now we see it is the main subject of his teaching to the disciples during the 40 days after his resurrection. So that's the first turning point, the ascension. It marks the the, the movement from Jesus' earthly ministry to his heavenly ministry. The second turning point now in launching the church, in launching the church into its mission, is the giving of the Holy Spirit. Look at verses 4 and 5. On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus told them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Isn't it interesting that the first command Jesus gives to the church on the move is to wait, okay? Before you can move, you got to wait. Jesus knew once he left, To go back to heaven, it would be very tempting for them to say, okay, we're done here. Go back to Galilee. Instead, he says, stay there in Jerusalem and wait. And what are they waiting for? The gift that the Father promised. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit, which was first promised back in the Old Testament. It was promised again by Jesus in the upper room. And now it is promised again, but much far more urgent in time. In just a few days, Jesus said, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And of course, that brings back to mind John the Baptist in the words of his ministry when he prepared for Jesus to come. And so this gift of the Spirit's been promised for a long time. Now it's coming, just a couple days. And so Luke begins his book by introducing these two turning points, these two turning points that will launch the church and its mission. Jesus' ascension to heaven and the giving of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. That's his introduction to the book. Next now, we focus on the outward mission of the church because that's where Christ focuses next. He focuses his disciples' attention on the outward mission. Look at verses 6 through 8. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates The Father is set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so they they asked Jesus, they said, Lord, is is this it now? Are are you going to do this right now? Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? John Calvin commented on this verse. He said, there are as many errors in this question as there are words. Now, that's a little bit of an overstatement, but yeah, there are at least three mistakes the disciples make here, three errors in their question. First, the disciples thought the kingdom was going to come immediately. Secondly, they were still thinking about the kingdom in political terms. And thirdly, they were still thinking about the kingdom in terms of only 
Israel. Jesus shows them by his response four things. One, that the coming of the kingdom is gradual, not immediate. Secondly, the kingdom is spiritual, not political. Thirdly, that the kingdom is for all nations. It's not just for Israel. And fourthly, that this is all under God's sovereign timing and control. That's what Jesus said. He said, it's not for you. To know the times and dates, the Father is set by his own authority. A strong emphasis on God's sovereignty that continues throughout the whole book of Acts. And this, of course, is a great encouragement for us as we're you know, being pushed out now, church in the move, into missions. How wonderful knowing that God is in control and that he will establish his kingdom in his time. And so instead of establishing the kingdom immediately, Jesus could have done that if he wanted, what does Jesus do? He calls us to be witnesses. Witnesses, and that's where we come to verse 8, our key verse for the whole book of Acts. Let me, let's break it down together here, okay? Jesus says three things here. First, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, without the ascension, there would be no giving of the Holy Spirit. Without the Spirit, there would be no power. Without power, there would be no effective spread of the gospel. And so the Holy Spirit is essential to the spread of the gospel. That's where Jesus starts. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Secondly, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. This is a word not just for the apostles. This is for all of us. We are all called to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. It's my hope that as we work our way through the book of Acts, that God will encourage each of you to be more bold and intentional about your witness for Christ. Thirdly, Jesus says, where will you be my witnesses? In Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. This is a picture of the outward surge of the gospel through missions. As we saw earlier, it's also an outline of the whole book of Acts. First, the gospel goes from Jerusalem to Samaria, then from the Jews to the Gentiles, then from Asia to Europe, and finally to the ends of the earth. And that final stage, that's still going. We're part of that. We're supposed to be part of that. It's still in progress today. The disciples wanted to, Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel right away? Instead, Jesus pointed them to a very different conception of the kingdom. The kingdom is gradual, not immediate, spiritual, not political, for all nations, not just Israel, all under God's sovereign timing and control. And in light of this, God and Jesus calls all of us to be witnesses, empowered by the Holy Spirit, progressively bringing the gospel into all the world. And now finally, in, in, in our passage today, we come to the ascension. Remember, this is the first of those two turning points that launches the church into its mission. Look at verses 9 through 11 with me now. After Jesus said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. 
So here, first of all, verse 9, we have have the actual ascension itself. Jesus is taken up before the disciples' eyes. A cloud hides him from their sight. I suppose this could have just been a regular cloud in the sky, but I believe that we are meant to understand this is that glory cloud that we see in the Bible, right? We saw it in the Old Testament, the glory cloud that uh, led the Israelites in the desert, the glory cloud that descended uh, upon the tabernacle and the temple. The glory cloud, we see it again in in the Gospels, right? Uh, On the Mount of Transfiguration. I believe Jesus ascends, the glory cloud comes down and Jesus ascends into heaven. This visible ascension was so important to mark the final leaving of Jesus. Remember, for 40 days, Jesus has been coming and going, coming and going. And if one point he just left and never came back again, they'd probably wonder, well, where is he? Did he go back to heaven? I don't know. Did he go to a different continent? I don't know. (laughs) Where is he? They had to see him go. It was so important. This time they knew he was really gone. Verse 10 tells us they're, they're just standing there. You know, just, they're just there. They're looking up into the sky. We'd have done the same thing, right? I mean, you know, while he's like, whoa, what just happened? And they're just standing there, staring into the sky when two angels appear. They say, what are you doing standing there? Looking at the sky? Don't just stand there, right? You see, they needed to get their eyes off the skies and put their eyes on the mission. And yes, we are to watch and pray for Jesus' return, but that's not all we do. We have a job to do. Our primary focus is the Great Commission, the spread of the gospel. Folks, there's going to be plenty of time for heaven later on. Plenty of time, okay? An eternity of time. But right now, our work is here on earth. And then finally, the angels tell them that this same Jesus who ascended into heaven will return in the same way he left. Now, it doesn't mean it will be exactly the same way. It's not like Jesus went up, now they're going to rewind the tape, and it just comes back the same way. But it means that there's similar features. Let me give you three of them. So important. The Bible tells us that Christ's return will be personal. The personal return of Christ. That means it will be Jesus, not someone else. He's not going to send a representative. He's not going to send an ambassador. Jesus himself will personally return. It will be a visible return. Jesus went up visibly. He will return visibly. Every eye will see him. And the Bible teaches the bodily return of Christ. This is not a spiritual return, but Christ will return in the body. It will be really him. Every eye will see it, and he will return in that same body that he was born in, lived in, died in, was resurrected in, and ascended in. And these final verses in our passage today, they really present the entire church age for us in miniature. You see, the church age begins when? With Christ's ascension. And, and when does it end? It extends through Christ's return. And then the angel's question tells us what we should be doing in the meantime, right? It's as relevant as it was when they first asked it. What are you doing standing there? Don't just stand there. There's work to do. See, we're not called to be a church that's standing or a church that's sitting or lying down. We are called to be a church on the move. And so the disciples, they have their marching orders now. But before they march, they must first wait. They must first wait for the giving of the Spirit who will empower them for the task. The first turning point, that's already taken place now, the ascension. Now they're waiting for that second turning point, the giving of the Spirit at Pentecost. Let me close today with four applications for you today from our text. Number one. 
We are all called to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. All of us. We're all called to be witnesses. We have a job to do. It's the most important job in the world. As a church, we are not to be stagnant. We are called to be a church that is on the move with the gospel. That's our first application. We're all called to be witnesses. Secondly, we must witness in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, we've got to do this with the assistance and empowering of God's Holy Spirit. The advancement of God's kingdom in the world. Folks, that is a spiritual battle. Okay, and if you try to do it on your own, or if our church tries to do it on our own, we will fail every time. We need to share the gospel in prayerful dependence on God and the Holy Spirit. Third application. Historically, we are part of the ends of the earth, part of Jesus' command, right? The gospel already, already started in Jerusalem. It went to Judea. It went to Samaria. Now we're part of that glorious mission of bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth. But number four, personally, okay, historically we're part of the, just the, the last part of that, but personally now we can think of this in terms of our own Jerusalem, Judea, and the world. Just as the church shared the gospel in increasing circles, we can take that principle and apply it to ourselves. Uh, the church moved out from their center. It was Jerusalem. So we can start where God has placed us. We start by sharing the gospel with our family. And then with our neighbors, and then with our workplace, and then with our community. And then, of course, we partake in the worldwide mission of the church through our giving, through our prayers, and through our willingness to go wherever and whenever God calls us. So, are you feeling stagnant or stale in your Christian walk? Then don't just stand there. Get moving. It's time to move out with the gospel because God has called us to be a church that is on the move. Let us pray. Well, dear God, we thank you for this amazing passage of Scripture that launches us into the book of Acts, even as we see the early church being launched into mission and, uh, and gospel witness. Uh, Lord, I pray that as we read these passages that you will encourage us, challenge us, inspire us to get moving. Lord, we don't want to be a church uh, standing, sitting, or lying down. We want to be a church on the move for you. Lord, we want to be active in sharing our faith. Lord, we want to see, Lord, there's just, there, there's so many people in our, in our community who are lost. They're lost and dying without Christ. They need the gospel. And God, we have the gospel. We have what they need. And so, Lord, Help us, move us, inspire us, get us moving to share the gospel that people need, that they may come to know Jesus, the Savior, we, the Savior that they need. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.